0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PPC Show, brought to you by AdStage. I am Paul Wicker. And I am J.D. Prater. And today is February 22nd, 2019. These are your top headlines in marketing. Number one, a major milestone that everybody saw was coming uh, for many, many years is officially digital ad spend. This year, will pass non-digital ad spend, making digital the, the big winners. Woo! Yes, we won.
1: <laughs> Get it, Digital.
0: Is there anyone that was on the other side of that argument? Like, I really think uh, newspapers are going to go up for some big growth this year.
1: Radio is the new medium.
0: Um, In fact, they went through um, all the traditional media and talked about how, you know, everything's declining for years now, newspaper, magazine, uh, even television. So television ad spending went down 2.2, or it's projected to go down by 2.2%. And can you guess the only traditional media that is growing this year? Mm, TV. I just said TV is going down by 2%. <laughs> uh, People
1: are going to know you don't listen to me. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Uh,
0: OOH or out of home, which is like billboards. Oh. So billboards are, billboards. yeah, and like, but it's also like sides of bus signage and, you know, like public signage. So that is going to grow. It's the only thing that's growing. It is going to grow at a whopping rate of 1%. 1%.
1: You no. know one that I saw that that was pretty in- podcast. Paul, did you see the podcast now? Or like half a billion dollars in ad spend projected this year? Half
0: a yeah. billion. Yeah, we should be making some money from this. Um, well, I did see it's still only like two percent of audio consumption, but uh, right. even that is like a ton of consumption, and and the ad spend. Yeah, it's like a few billion dollars. Well, Spotify just bought someone. Gimlet Media, right, a few weeks ago, and Gimlet produces a ton of podcasts. So, you know, we're cutting edge. We've been doing this podcast here at Stage for like five years.
1: There's some like expensive CPMs, but I get it, you know, you gotta go where the attention is. Uh, And that's what I see more than anything else is with this digital, you know, spend going up, is this is where people are. This is where the eyeballs are. This is where people are spending their time because as Paul pointed out here in our notes, four hours every day on their smartphones. Four. That is, I mean, it sounds insane,
0: but that's average, you know, the average person spends four days on your, four, not four days, four hours on their smartphone. And that doesn't count like at work when you're like browsing the internet or any like Netflix you're watching, if it's on Roku, like that is just staring at your tiny little phone four hours a day.
1: That's a part-time job.
0: Yeah, imagine you're doing something productive for those four hours. You make some serious money. Um, anyway Yet, so
1: we don't have, have enough problems. time though paul for exercise or for sleeping and eating right you know these are all the things we complain about when I have enough time
0: well to be fair like when i'm on my phone sometimes i'm using my workout app you know? <laughs> so, uh, does
1: that count? i'm i'm ordering food on my smartphone
0: yeah. right my finger is getting a lot of exercise uh all right our buddy zuck is back in the news um so this is a really interesting defense. So people were saying, so people clearly listen to the podcast because last week we That's talked right. about a very unique solution for Facebook to get out of all this kind of uh, whatever guilt trips that people are putting on, uh, putting on them by just offering a paid version of Facebook. So they say, hey, if, if you want to opt out, just buy ads and we'll or buy a premium and we'll get rid of all the ads. Sure enough, Zuckerberg was on stage uh, and, and somebody said, hey, why can't we do that? Uh, or someone asked him, why can't they do it? And he had the worst explanation ever. Um, But he basically said like, well, it's really hard to do because he didn't say this directly, but the TLDR is it's real hard to do. And like data collection is so ingrained in our entire product, it's really hard to rip out. And they're (laughs) like, yeah, but just rip out the ads. like. And he's like, well, people really want like the data collection to stop. They really want privacy. They really want the right to be forgotten and all that stuff, which is true. But just take out the ads. Ninety nine percent of your problems will disappear if people don't see ads. They're not thinking about data collection in the background. That's why no one's complaining about Google, even though Google does their own data collection. It's right. we see the retargeted ads uh, that make it clear you've been tracking the crap out of me.
1: I love this quote on that on that. It's uh I don't think people are going to be that psyched about not seeing ads. I was and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. It's like, are you that tone deaf? I mean,
0: I get it. Probably he's in a bubble where everyone's like data privacy, data privacy, but your average consumer, I don't think they really care that much about data privacy. They just get on like the outrage bandwagon. So they're pissed off of Facebook because there's leaks and something with Russia and colluding and elections. And, but I mean, if you said, Hey, for 300 bucks a month, you could have no ads problem solved. No one would buy it. I agree with him that says people aren't gonna pay for it because no one's gonna pay for no ads because no one ever buys subscriptions <laughs> for right. New York times and like that business is still really tough and that's like ten bucks a month. But but apparently the moral of the story is somebody's listening to the podcast and then taking these hard hitting questions to Mark. <laughs> thank you, whoever you are.
1: Uh, <laughs> I liked I liked when he, but like his argument for uh the the actual subscription well, I thought was kind of interesting too, because he thought it would be like uh like unequal to, because not everyone has the money to pay for the subscription. So therefore that's not equal. And I was like, Hmm. Yeah. it's no, a stretch, buddy. I'm sorry, buddy. Nope. Yeah,
0: nope. I don't know if he's just tone, not tone deaf. I mean, he's a smart guy. So I know he like understands what he's doing, but it just like, uh, this whole line of like, well, I, I don't want to do it cause it's not fair to charge people for a product. Cause then everybody can't use it. Like, does anyone think that's the real reason? It's not because, you make all your money on ads and you want to keep running ads like anyway all right zuck we'll move on to google leave zuckerberg alone um we also on this podcast so clearly our podcast is influential we often also talked about google's new change to chrome where they were going to make some change that made all the ad blockers like not work so ad blockers like ghostery if you use it uh weren't going to work with this new change in google chrome everybody freaked out. We talked about it on the podcast, Google listens. And then they came back and said, Hey, we're rethinking that change. And now they're backtracking on that.
1: Hey, kudos for everyone listening to our podcast and causing a ruckus because Google heard it and they have actually dialed it back. And I I think it also just shows one, Hey, democracy can kind of work. You know, you users actually do have power. Um, So if you're not happy with stuff, say it, make a ruckus, You know. Get it loud, but at the same time, uh, hats off to Google for not um, just like owning that decision and saying that's what we're going to do, and so they, they they walked it back, and I was pretty happy to see them do that
0: yeah there was this change, and the other change uh oh Facebook was making a change where like uh, ProPublica had a tool that wasn't going to work with the <laughs> way Facebook was updating. They haven't rolled that one back, so if you want to have some some Twitter outrage, that's a good thing to go rage against Facebook for blocking the kind of UI component change that prevents ProPublica from running their kind of snooping tool that lets people see who's advertising on these, uh, on certain political issues. But, uh, yeah, w- well, what's interesting is we're seeing, you know, users make a difference in terms of like, you know, complaining about this and then Google making a change. And then Amazon, we don't yeah. have the article in here, but perhaps the biggest news of the news cycle in the past week, week or two, is that Amazon pulled out their new HQ2 out of New York.
1: Hmm. That was big. That was a big one,
0: and that's more ruckus caused by uh, you know people who didn't want Amazon there. And I won't even go into whether it's a good move, bad move for who. I don't. I don't follow oh. it super close. And I our favorite, Verge or uh, Recode. Yeah, the Verge Pivot Podcast.
1: Pivot. Yeah. They With really Scott.
0: talked about it a lot.
1: They did, and they had a really good analysis. So if you want a good analysis, go listen to that because I can't repeat it that well because they they know way more than I do. And I thought it was really good, but well, Kara's super negative. Correct. Kara's Uh, always negative. Yeah.
0: So she said, you know, because they do winners and losers. So according to her, it was a loss for everybody. Amazon loses because they look bad, and uh, New York loses because they probably really would bring a lot of jobs to the area, and all the politicians lose because they look bad. Everybody loses, and Galloway. Well, the funny point he made was that uh, Bezos is just going through this midlife crisis and he wanted a headquarters so he could take his helicopter <laughs> into Manhattan because he's single now and he just wants to, you know, he's single, ready to mingle. And that was like the only reason he wanted a New York based uh, headquarters. I so. thought
1: that was really funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: It, it's funny because it really, you know, Scott is, Scott Galloway's probably in his 50s. And I'm getting up there. I'm not in my 50s, but I could see midlife crisis. I can understand it now. And I could see, oh, yeah, Bezos, you know the divorce. He's got hair somehow, you know, he's like bulk bulked up a little bit. He's, yeah, he's figuring it out. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, so that's Amazon, uh, Google, we talked about ad blocking. Oh, and responsive display ads. Got some new features. What's up there?
1: Three new features, uh, just rolled out. So video assets can now be incorporated into your, um, responsive display ads. So that's one, two, uh, you will get a combination report. This is probably the big one that we've all been asking for. Is you put in all of these, you know, texts and you put in all these images, but you really didn't know what combinations working well. They're finally going to be revealing the top performing assets from all those combinations, which is fantastic. And then they're also going to be giving you a ad strength scorecard, which I thought was uh, a cute way of saying do these things.
0: Right. Yeah. Before the ad goes live, it kind of gives you the hey these are things you should, uh, you should change. I think we covered that piece in a, in an earlier podcast, but yeah, yeah, they tell you like, you should have more headlines and you should, you know, just tell you how well you're doing. I I think these are the lazy persons at creative. They're just going to take over the world. We have to do that. I don't know why I was looking at our campaign. We're not using them. I don't know why we got to, we got to switch over.
1: Yeah. Get them, get them going. Let me know how they work.
0: Yeah, well, especially with video now, you just, you know, pick up to five videos from your YouTube channel and boom, now you have video ads. It's super fast. That's nice. Uh, speaking of YouTube, the last week we talked about someone returning to YouTube.
1: at and No, it wasn't AT&T. Yeah. AT&T? No. Yeah. So,
0: Sprint, AT&T. It, yeah, I think it was AT&T or Verizon. It was one of the big carriers. And they had pulled out of YouTube because the content violations and everybody pulled out, but then everybody was back on and they announced they're coming back on YouTube. And we said, because they had some like silly quotes from the people saying like, well, we're now confident that we won't be on any, you know, like harmful, terrible media. So now we're putting our money back in. And we said, yeah, there's no way they could prevent it. Like there's going to be, that just happens. And sure enough, this week, uh, AT&T, Disney, and Epic Games drop YouTube over concerns of pedophile comments on videos, so.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it was AT&T just a few weeks ago, returned after two years, and now, <laughs> just a few days later, like, well, see you later again. <laughs> see you in two years. <laughs> oh, right, it literally
0: is at We are prognosticators of paid marketing. Again, we said this exact thing. We said this exact thing would happen, that there is no way that will happen, That they can not have creepy content. And sure enough, there's pedophile crap happening and they pull right back out. So
1: unbelievable. That one was amazing. They would have saved a lot of money if
0: they would have just talked to us and listened to this podcast. How much money do you think they spent planning their new YouTube
1: campaigns? (laughs) Planning, getting them all ready, launching for about a week, and then just like winding that back. I just, I mean, until Google can protect our brand from offensive content of any kind, we're removing all advertising from YouTube, said AT&T. It's like, no, but like you guys just got back on because they, they said that they could do that.
0: Right. Well, I do remember they said something like with 99, 99% confidence. So they, they left a window to say like, yeah, we think we'll catch most of it. But that, that
1: did not last long. I know. I liked it too because they also said they were going to do like quarterly reviews. <laughs> made it a week. Well, at least they didn't wait for the quarterly review. Yes. Uh,
0: I do, I want to plug a post on our own, very own AdStage blog, blog.adstage.io. It was really good. Sometimes I don't always read all the posts on our own blog, I'm sorry to admit, but this one was all about Salesforce and uh, linking Salesforce back to paid marketing. And it's a really good explainer on kind of what natively every network does. So if you are doing Facebook and Facebook lead ads, how can you integrate Salesforce, if you're using Google, you know, Google had a huge announcement about their Google Salesforce integration. Uh, Salesforce has the marketing cloud and forget what it's called, the marketing hub or or something that lets you push lead data uh, into other channels if you can afford it uh, from Salesforce. So it's a really good explainer about how to link up your conversions uh, from all these different networks. And of course, we plug our own product at SageJoin, which lets you do it at Google Analytics, Salesforce, or HubSpot without having to do all these crazy integrations uh, just plug us in learn more at adstage
1: uh that's a good, like good uh, like mid episode like break that was good
0: that's thank you well i thought up front it would be a little too pluggy and then i was like i'll move it into the middle but it was a good it was a good uh, piece i really did well i've been wondering about the google salesforce integration to be honest they announced it at google marketing live or or maybe at a salesforce event it was like a big deal And now most people I talk to still either don't know about it or can't set it up for some reason or there's always like something that people aren't using it. Oh, there's like some issue with stages, like as your opportunities move through stages in Salesforce, Google like can't see them if you skip a stage there's issues with it. So if you're out there and you're using Google and Salesforce well, and they're integrated nice and tightly, I'd love to talk to you because I can't find anybody that doesn't just complain about how it doesn't work.
1: Nice, nice.
0: Yeah. It's good for us from a product perspective, but I mean, I trust Google will figure it out. They figure everything out. But, um, and then I threw this other story and I guess there's two more uh, stories. One is just Pinterest filed for IPO or privately or confidentially.
1: Confidentially. Filed, right? I know, right? It's like, what does that even mean? I actually asked that question on Quora and got really good answers.
0: Oh, I was going to say, I don't know what it means either. Like maybe you just tell the banks, I, I don't know. What did your Quora people tell you? Uh,
1: So basically it's like, you don't have to disclose anything publicly. That's like the short answer, but there's like legally, you know, a great answer. But for all of us people, (laughs) lay people that don't really understand IPO and everything that goes into all of these, you know, things, it's, uh, they don't have to release all of their data right now. Oh, so all all their
0: like revenue numbers and user numbers and all that. Correct. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be quite a year for IPOs. Folks like Lyft, Uber, Slack, Airbnb either started the process or are going uh, for IPO this year. So It's huge, man. Uh, you know who makes money is all these VCs that invested early or all these um, you know investors who this is the big payout. So folks in the investment community are, this is good news because it means people are making money on all these investments they made, which means they have more money to make more investments in small Series A startups like HeadSage. So give me a call if you've got... <laughs> million like to throw over to me uh but i was reading some stuff from the vc crowd about how this series of exits really will help spur you know more investment because Mm -hmm. this is the big paycheck that these folks hope for over these like long-term 10 15 year uh early investments
1: yeah i mean i'll probably buy some stock and i i have i like all these companies so i think they all do pretty well i'm interested to see the uber lyft battle continue out but that's good uh but going back to Pinterest, did you see this one, Paul? We were talking about this last week. We had a good rant on the uh, anti-vaxxer. Did you see Pinterest?
0: Right. Yeah, the article we linked is a Wall Street Journal article, so I'm sorry if you don't have subscription. I don't either. I just read the first paragraph. <laughs> but uh, I think in Recode covered the Wall Street Journal article, um, and they made this point that... Uh, pinterest just took all the anti-vaxxer content off so they they took a stand in the vaccination debate
1: they did after our talk last week about you know people getting onto facebook pinterest just flat out took uh, a stand they removed it they actually like broke their product which i thought was really interesting so when people would search it would just like not work um and so that way nothing would even come up so they ended up and until they get like a uh, a better answer and a better solution. That's what they ended up doing. Um, but good for them. They took that stand and they, I, I like when companies take a stand rather than just like not really answering. Um, and so I was, of course I'm also the okay with vaccinations. Uh, so uh, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I like that they removed it. And then they also, so um, I think the other part of this too, was they also said that since this was, um, it, it was why they did it. It it was the community guidelines to explicitly ban promotion of false cures for terminal or chronic illnesses and anti-vaccination advice. Like that's actually in their guidelines.
0: Well, they're being very specific. Yeah. Um, I am really starting to think if I was in the investment community and I was had a, like a, was debating whether I should buy Pinterest stock, I would listen to this podcast because I swear everything we talk about the next week, there's news. (laughs) We're like beating (laughs) the news cycle. Uh, It's mind-blowing. Although we didn't call Pinterest per se. So maybe it's a little uh, survivor bias happening. But um, yeah, congrats to Pinterest for taking a stand. And thank you for sharing the link in the notes to a non-Wall Street Journal article that we can share in (laughs) the newsletter that we send every week.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, one more thing too. They also I just um it's, uh, they kind of hid this in the bottom. They're also banning the URLs, which I thought was interesting. So right, you want to create a pin off of a web page because there might be an image. They they actually got the URLs of some of these like anti-vaccination misinformation type of websites, and they just like blocked the URL. Like you can't even put a pin on from that URL, which I thought was like pretty clever as well. Hmm
0: aggressive i mean i don't want to go down the the path of censorship i mean it sounds a lot like censorship which always sounds good when you agree with it but like what if that was you know
1: yeah i, I mean i think they flat out say it is censorship because they they don't want it on their on their site uh, uh, all right they, that's fair it's <laughs> just like no like we don't want it
0: <laughs> right we are censoring this because we don't want it on our site that's yeah. a very fair point um well, here's another thing that maybe we'll be right about. If it's uh, this isn't even a prediction, but I added a link about blockchain. You know, if you remember know, about a year ago, nuts. we talked about blockchain a lot. There's a lot of new uh, coins spinning up. There's ICOs, initial coin offerings. So people, instead of raising money, were just issuing coins, and people were buying the coins, and that's how they're funding their startups. It was really blockchain and cryptocurrency craziness. Well. Now, there's some news. Uh, There's a recent attack on Ethereum Classic, which is one of the currencies, and it turns out the hackers, you know, stole a million bucks, which you're like, okay, a million bucks, but apparently, according to MIT, who did this uh, or posted in the MIT Technology Review, quote, in total, hackers have stolen nearly 2 billion worth of cryptocurrency since the beginning of 2017, mostly from exchanges. So, 2 billion in theft in about, you know, 18 months, Hmm. or I guess a 2017 so it's two two years two years two months uh still that's for something that you think of as unhackable not good news so crypto continues to kind of get destroyed in the the markets and all those folks that when we were talking about last were like i made thousands on crypto have now lost thousands on crypto so
1: this one was like Again, I don't fully understand blockchain, right? I mean, I've watched the videos, I've tried to understand it, but I think the idea was like it was supposed to be unhackable. And the fact that you could was supposed to be theoretical. And the fact that it's not theoretical, it actually happened. I, you're like, wow, wow. Okay, there's some really smart people out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm no expert either. and uh, But I do know, you know, this doesn't mean that blockchain as a, as a concept and blockchain not even as a concept as a technological tool, isn't still going to be revolutionary i think it's just the craze to create these uh, cryptocurrencies and market them as legitimate as if they you know there was they were utopic almost the way everything was guaranteed to inflate and these things were the future and now the natural thing happens which is there's something new people are making money on so it gets exploited and people take advantage of it and there's a downside and it's a market. And the market goes up and down uh, for, for crypto. But, so those are all the official stories. I just threw in here this tweet from Dwayne Brown. Uh, yeah. So I I'm, I think Jenny, he, uh, well, first let me tell you the tweet. So Dwayne Brown, who, I, I don't know if he runs an agency or works for an agency. I think he yeah, runs his own run agency. Yeah, his own agency, Take Some Risk. Up in Canada. It, that's the name of it, Take Some Risk? Yeah. I love it, Take Some Risk, nice. I know he's Canadian. Um, and he's on, very active on Twitter, very smart guy, says a lot of great things. I think he came on the podcast years ago. It's been so long now, I forget who's been on and who hasn't. But um, I'm pretty sure he was on, like, literally four years ago or something like that. Uh, really smart guy. And on Twitter, he had shared a screenshot of a new Facebook UI, uh, which I hadn't heard about. I don't know if you heard about the new Facebook UI.
1: I just heard it from him and uh, Akvile, you know. And so Akvile was uh, teasing it out. And so Dwayne was like, what? I want to see it. So he pings his rep and his rep is like, okay, And now we have these screenshots. So it is, I mean, it's so different um, from what we're used to. So again, there's going to be some really good backlash to this one as well, just because I feel like every year they redo the UI and every year they kind of get it wrong and wrong meaning it's just different. Like you finally learn it and you finally get used to all the bugs and all the hiccups. Then they change it on you again. So I think that's the the bigger <laughs> problem right. with it.
0: Well, now that we've stopped complaining about the new Google Ads interface, and we've all rebranded our brains to from AdWords to Google Ads, we can now complain about the new Facebook UI. Um, my mini rant on it on Twitter with with those two actually, like Facebook added the sidebar. You know, like when you. Mm-hmm. Hit edit instead of like going to a page for your you know campaign or ad set where you can like change settings It like slides the sidebar out and it like covers almost all of the screen and it's a little bit glitchy feeling And then if like you can change it to do like the trend view or the change log is there for some reason So it's like just such a weird Like clearly someone wanted to put a fancy sliding sidebar in so i'm glad to see they got rid of that at least in the mock there is a sidebar, but it like is a true sidebar. It's like this little, narrow thing that you can use, because you're supposed to do a sidebar when you like need to see the main stuff and then also have some stuff off to the side. If you slide it over everything, then like, why are you even giving me a sidebar? Anyway, it's a UI person in me just I can't stand that. And the fact that when you like open the hamburger menu in the top left to like get access to the tools, it just gives you like five things when you want the like full list. Yeah. Do you want to click on ads manager or you want to click on audience, whatever? I hate that. Like, who cares? Why don't you just always open
1: up the full menu? Why drives me nuts. <laughs> From a product guy to the Facebook product team, get with it. Right. Like
0: frequently used. Like, is it, yeah, there's like 20 things. Just give me the whole thing. Why make me click on all tools every time just to open up like the link it, it Anyway, that looks like it's going away in the new UI screenshot. So I'll be very happy. I've been complaining about that for like two years.
1: Yeah, the, losing the, the top nav is kind of the big one. Moving everything to the, the left, left side bar like you were talking about. You ask if anyone likes it. I, I think I do kind of. Um, I think I like that it's all there and I can easily navigate, but maybe I've just been conditioned to that.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's always been weird with the whole like how you can select like ad sets and then like adds the count to the tab and the tabs are always there. And then if you want to edit a setting, it like opens this, I don't know. It's just very strange. I just like, I think, and it, you know, it's personal preference in many ways, but I like the concept of like going into a campaign, which you can still do, but like half the time, like, am I in the campaign or am I not in campaign? And like, there's all these counts of different levels. I don't know. I never liked it, but so I'm happy to play around with the new version when it comes out. So take a look. Apparently, maybe email your rep and ask for some previews, but it's still very early beta from what we're told and probably nothing you're going to see for a very long time. Word. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. That's all the news we have for you. If you want uh, news in your inbox, you can head over to blog.adsage.io, sign up for a newsletter and you enjoy your week. See you guys.